It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Twins postcast. That one was over by the bottom of the first inning. Minnesota 11, Oakland 3. My name is Sam Ekstrom here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Pinch hitting for Mr. Postcast himself, Luke Inman. And we brought in the big, the big arm, the big Brock Stewart coming out of the bullpen. His name's Brandon Warren uh, to help us out tonight. He's the host of Locked On Twins. Find his content daily as uh, we ramp up for this Twins playoff series. Still don't know the opponent, uh, but plenty to talk about on tonight's postcast. An easy Twins win against a bad opponent. Uh, we're going to talk about two pitchers that make their return from long rehabs, Chris Paddock and Brock Stewart, Matt Walner, a grand slam, big night offensively. And we'll talk about what we learned as we go into kind of an odd stretch, Brandon, where you're you're beating up on bad teams. The wins don't mean don't mean that much. The losses don't mean that much. We're just trying to learn stuff about this team in the final six games. Uh, easy win tonight. That's probably not the most important uh, facet of this game, but Minnesota gets the victory. Just give me your quick knee-jerk thoughts on tonight's result. Exactly how you would expect to handle a team that's now lost 109 games. And down the stretch with the next five, you really don't see much in terms of resistance about to be put in front of these twins. So it's very possible that they could end the season winning a whole bunch straight, finishing with 88, 89 wins. And that suddenly that record looks pretty dang good after they struggled to stay at 500 for much of the season. Yeah, this team is going to mess around and win almost 90, which, I mean, you're absolutely right there. And again, every team plays bad teams. The Twins just so happen to get them all here at the end where they get a chance to really rack up that win total. They're now 11 games over 500. At last check, I saw the Rangers were losing, entering, though, five games behind Texas. Unlikely you're going to catch that AL West champion unless they go get swept by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, let's start where the game started. Matt Walner, Grand Slam off of, I assume, Nick Blackburn's long-lost descendant, Pete Blackburn, uh, to make it 5 nothing in the bottom of the first moonshot by Walner. Brandon, uh, try these stats on for Walner since September 3rd, hitting 315 with a 921 OPS, and that's before tonight's Grand Slam. Uh, he's really turned things around in this month. Yeah, and uh, I mean, still people get a little upset that he's not allowed to face as many lefties as maybe they'd like, but he's being put into a spot that he can succeed. And this roster is built to kind of maximize those advantages, and I think we'll see that going into the postseason, postseason, excuse me, as well. But uh, I think Walner has been put in spots to succeed a lot more recently, and he's rewarding their faith. That 3-1 pitch that Blackburn threw that he absolutely annihilated, I mean, that was, that was a work of art, including before that Justin Morneau more or less laying out the scenario. It was like Tony Romo calling out the plays as they're happening when you're watching a game with uh, – with him doing the, the color commentary. So, I mean, Justin Morneau looked like a wizard calling that, but um, that home run looked a lot like a Morneau home run, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's have a guy like that as your number seven hitter. That's a good place to stash a guy like that. Let's just say that. Yeah, big, lanky, lefty, no doubter to right field. That was very much a Morneauian swing. I don't know if Morneau ever reached that high on the bleachers. He said on the broadcast, the longest home run he'd seen hit in that ballpark, the initial 
footage on the blast was 463, according to Bally. That is yep. a gargantuan shot. Uh, here's a stat that I enjoyed that I found tonight, Brandon. Second half of the season, Twins are second in the league in hard hit percentage behind only Atlanta. Pretty good company <laughs> to be in. And I mean, Bally's been hammering home the stats you know, all month. The Twins are in elite company offensively these last couple months here. Anytime you can be compared to the Braves is a good thing. The Braves are basically breathing fire down the neck of the Twins home run record from a few years ago. So again, you just, you can't overemphasize anytime you're brought up with that Atlanta team. It's a good thing. Twins near the top of the league in runs per game and basically any other offensive set you could want second half, especially, but the more you condense, the better they've played of late, um, obviously reflected in them pulling away in the division. So um, I, I've been impressed with the offense down the stretch, and I think it makes you feel as though there may be that magic touch between that and mm -hmm. the pitching coming together at the same time. Because for so many different seasons, and especially early this year, the pitching was so good, but the offense would just leave so much meat on the bone that it made you wonder if this team would ever figure it out. It really does have that feel like they're coming together at the right time. Now, again, I could have egg on my face. They could go into the postseason and get swept out. And we're right back here commiserating in a few weeks. But I just feel like they're finally getting everything together at the, the same time. And it's really, really fun to watch. Yeah, no, I've, I've got a good feeling about this team likewise. And I don't know, we talked about Atlanta. You know, that's a team that got hot in the postseason and messed around and won a World Series. You hope the Twins can capture something like that, uh, getting hot here in October. Maybe get the reinforcements with Lewis and Correa as well, playing some good baseball. Let's talk about three pitchers, Brandon. Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, and Brock Stewart. Let's start with the starter, Bailey Ober, who is Bailey five innings over. Seven out of eight starts, he's gone five. This might have been his sharpest, certainly since his demotion. It was his sharpest performance. No runs allowed. Faced one over the minimum. Um, and he's been pretty much a five-inning two-run guy for most of the last month. Uh, five innings, no runs in this one against, let's face it, a lineup that's not very good. I'm I'm very conflicted about Ober, Brandon, because I think Joe Ryan's got the momentum to be your third starter, certainly in the wildcard series if necessary. Um, I like Ober's consistency. He's maybe not the blow-you-away pitcher, maybe not the most efficient pitcher, but he right. seems to produce whenever he goes out there. What do you think his postseason role is based on what we've seen from him the last few starts? The, the scenario I kind of played out earlier this week was that a major league pitching staff in the postseason needs guys who can do multi-inning kind of fireman roles. If you're not going to have your starter go six, seven innings, you know, if you get a five and dive like Bailey Ober is in the regular season, you might want someone to pitch the sixth and the seventh or sixth, seventh, eighth, and then bring in your big guy in the ninth. It's going to be kind of a fluid situation. So to have a guy like Ober, Paddock, Kenta Maeda, all these guys who have either worked in relief or have stuff that should play up in relief, that should help. Also, Kenta, long-time history of being reliever in the postseason with the Dodgers. So I look at Ober kind of taking on a role like that where, um, you know, it would also to help if he was enough different than the starter that day for contrast. You know, if you had someone who threw hard mm -hmm. with a good breaking ball, then you follow him up as a fastball up in the zone guy. You can mess, you can effectively mess with a team pretty well in the playoffs if you pitch two different kinds of guys. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see 
if you know if it gets to a situation where they're going to need a fourth starter, which would be either the next series or the series after that, yeah. hypothetically, possibly, maybe you see a piggyback between him and Kenta Maeda or Louis Varland, who looks like a whole new pitcher. I'm very, very enthusiastic about this pitching staff going into October. And again, if people haven't seen, I did an entire episode on it the other day. Uh, it, it's They're really in a good spot right now, pitching-wise. And I think Ober taking on that role like a Kenta in the playoffs, uh, that could be a sneaky good thing for this team. I agree with you wholeheartedly on paper. Let me play devil's advocate briefly. This bullpen is shaping up to be largely constructed of converted starters or guys off of long rehabs. Does that concern you at all that the bullpen that we've seen most of the year, which has been up and down, is not going to be the bullpen we see in the postseason, that these guys might be in unfamiliar roles? Not necessarily, because I think the nature of the beast is that's just how it works. Um, you know, there's teams who have five good starters, and so those fourth and fifth starters don't start playoff games. They have to figure it out as they go. Or you see a guy like Madison Bumgarner thrown into relief on short rest and that sort of thing. Um, I think the fact that we don't see these guys in these roles is because they're not forced into them even though the long haul of the regular season might generally make you think that you'd need that. But, um, you know, with all hands on deck, it it, it could blow up spectacularly. I will grant that. Mm -hmm. But from a personnel standpoint, it's hard for me to imagine. um, In in Tuesday's episode, I laid out my postseason bullpen of eight guys. I can't imagine it lining up better than it is because I have Cody Funderburk as the last guy out, and he's been very, very good. The, the eight guys ahead of them, though, I have problem. I have problems dropping any of them. So they're in a good spot. Of course, it could blow up, but uh, I like where they're at, even if it is going to be kind of shoehorning guys into different spots that they haven't maybe done extensively. Yeah, let's dial in specifically on Paddock because I assume that in in the way you lay it out, he needs to produce in his limited appearances here before the end of the season. He has to show that he has something for them to trust him in the postseason. Mixed returns tonight. Uh, first inning of relief, very sharp, uh, hit 99 with the fastball located. Well, gave up a single and I think struck out the side or struck out two in that sixth That's inning. Three. Yep. St- struck out three. Yes. Strikeout stuff for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. seventh inning things go awry with, you know, single by Rooker on, I think a, a decently well-located pitch, just a good swing by a good hitter, yep. uh, yep. two run Homer on a high fastball walked a guy. Opposite field double, so four base runners in a row, and then he settles down, gives up three runs. What'd you make of Paddock's return from 16 months off? It's tricky because if you only have him throw that first inning, he comes off the mound, you know, he's all fired up like they showed Mm -hmm. on the screen. But you need to see what he's like in a longer burst because theoretically, like I said, if you're going to have these fireman-type guys or if your starter only pitches through the third and you need to cover those middle three innings, Chris Paddock going one inning at a time over these last two series doesn't help you get there. So how much weight do we put on the second inning of results when the first inning looks so good? I don't know what a fair analysis is there. I think I would say I come away more generally enthused or or confident that uh, that he can be a, a positive factor for them in the postseason. Now, with that said, I'm also glad they're not going to necessarily have to rely on him that much uh, assuming you know jacks duran Thielbar, pagan do as they have all season long it's just going to be a nice added bonus to have paddock in there but i thought for his first time out you know like you said 16 months uh 
I thought it was pretty good. I think the four strikeouts for me were especially what I come back mm-hmm. to because swing and miss stuff will play no matter where you get used. Just as a fun aside, the the connection in this series between Paddock, who comes back for the first time in 16 months, and the guy who singled off him, Brent Rooker, they were part of the same deal. And the paths they've taken are just wild. I mean, Paddock's been this big mm-hmm. injury disappointment. Rooker was a journeyman. Remember, that was a San Diego trade. Goes yep. from San Diego to the Royals, gets waived, ends up with Oakland. And now he's a 29, almost 30 home run hitter for, for you know a bad athletics team. But um, a guy that you could actually have an argument to say, wow, I mean, who, who would you rather have, Jeffers or Rooker right yep. now? Uh, just kind of a kind of the one like bright spot on that Oakland A's offensive lineup. Well, and don't forget Emilio Pagan was in that trade too. And right. he's having a rebirth this season to the point where he's pitching about as good as he has since the beginning of his career. So, you know, everybody wanted to judge that trade so harshly when Taylor Rogers sprinted out of the gate last year with the Padres ended up, you know, really limping down the stretch with the Brewers uh, kind of seems to have gotten things going with the giants again, but I think this is going to come down to the Chris Paddock for Brent Rooker trade. And again, the important part of the analysis is that Paddock is doing this for the team he was traded to. Rooker is not. So, uh, yeah, I always love those little narrow bands, though, of, uh, you know, uh, minutia in in this Mm -hmm. game because there's just so much of it that it's part of why I fell in love with the game in the first place. A couple good immaculate grid answers with Pagan and Rooker as well. You got nine teams combined there, I think. Uh, We're going to talk about Brock Stewart's return as well. Get into some other tidbits. Donnie Salami's four for four night. But let me tell you about DoorDash. It's that time of of night where you're on the DoorDash app and you're clicking around. You're trying to find a place that's open till 10 p.m. It's 947. It's a Tuesday night. I want food. I want a snack. Well, DoorDash can deliver not just your favorite snacks from your favorite restaurants, but also groceries. They will bring you the groceries you need. They'll get it absolutely right. They guarantee that. So sit back, enjoy quality groceries, courtesy of DoorDash. If you want even more value, save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders when you get a Dash Pass membership. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKED at checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. 50% off, $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKED. Don't forget that's code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Back with Brandon Warren at Brandon underscore Warren on X Twins postcast. Glad you're with us. Brandon will be doing these all postseason, hopefully a long postseason for the Minnesota Twins. Brock Stewart gets the ninth inning tonight, gives up a single, but strikes out two in a clean return after about three months away. I mean, it's pretty easy to see Stewart coming into a high leverage situation, maybe more of a one inning guy than Paddock would be. Yeah. 
And I think both sides have value. You know, Mariano Rivera didn't have to throw multiple innings unless it was a late, you know, four out save or something like that. You can, I think you can use guys in that hybrid longer role and guys on the shorter role and kind of mix and match based on matchups and that sort of thing. But it's, it's so funny to me in a, like a curiosity way that all these guys rehabs kind of came to a head as St. Paul's season ended on Sunday. You know, we'll find out more about where Byron Buxton is, but you get Stewart back, you get Paddock back, even Gallo being healthy coming up here, Nick Gordon, all these guys. It's just, it's insane to me that that's the case. Stewart though is a huge one because the team did not make an addition at the deadline. Well, technically speaking, they did. It was Dylan Floro who got DFA'd to make room on That's the right. roster for today. Spirit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So for me, uh, Stewart is just, it's such a big deal because it's another guy on the list where, you know, Duran has had, uh, he's been like, he's had an Achilles heel. You could, you can get to it just every now and then and really mess him up. Um, and Jax has had those innings where he gets dinked and dunked and, you know, uh, we call it babbit to life in the mm-hmm. baseball community or, or Babbitt to death <laughs> uh, Freudian slip there, I guess. But um, yeah, it, I think having Stewart back in there, it's, it's just how much relief pitching do you need more? How much starting pitching do you need more? It's I'm not going to say it's an embarrassment of riches because I still think they probably should have gone out and gotten a guy or two at the deadline. But again, for, for where they're at organizationally, this is about as good a bullpen as you can have, but having Stewart back is, is huge because he was such a revelation for this team early on that uh, when he went down and, and people were thinking it might be end of the season that, you know, after Daly Owen went down too, it was just, it was hard to stomach. And if he has an Achilles heel, we haven't seen it yet because his ERA is like 0.7. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, right. So that'd be a guy you'd like to have in that bullpen as well. Let me just quick run, run by you. The two names you mentioned, Buxton and Gordon. What is the plan here with Byron with five games to go? You have to make a move here at some point to get him. Yeah. You have to get a look, do you not? I mean, is, do you think something is is coming up quickly uh, before they go on the road for for Colorado? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's not doing anything with St. Paul because they haven't played now. The season's yeah. over, so time is of the essence. You could make a move for Larnick, who's never playing. Um, you know, he's, he hasn't played or hardly played since he's been called back up. It's not that they couldn't make a move and make something happen just as a formality. But yeah, you want to see what he's like on his, on his feet. Um, I know he lobbied to play center for St. Paul and never got to Saturday's game, got weathered out. And then Sunday he DH'd. So he hasn't played outfield. So that's almost certainly off the table, but I'm putting him on the postseason roster because here's the deal. If, if you get injured and taken off the roster, you have to miss the next series. The odds of Buxton having some kind of flare up and not needing to miss that much time. Really. It's, it's not a thing. So if he can't go, I bring Andrew Stevenson along for the speed. But I really, really, really put Buxton on there if there's even a sliver of a chance that he can help me because that lightning in a bottle factor. I know people say he's only hitting, you know, 210 or whatever. If he runs into one at the perfect spot in the postseason, I don't care if that's the only get he gets in the entire series. That that factor to me matters enough to have him on the roster. Yeah. Gallo's not making the roster, right? No. Uh, so my last three out were Gordon, Gallo, Stevenson. So Gordon works if, let's say, Royce Lewis can't go. Uh, Stevenson, if Buxton can't go. And then Gallo is like, 
uh, you know, you break the glass in case of an emergency and, and here's Joey Gallo left over. So uh, it's a good spot depth wise. You know, Nick Gordon was the top utility guy on this team a year ago, and now he's an afterthought. That's not fair to him, but that's just the truth. So I'm, I am I have Gallo out. I have Stevenson out. And um, who am I missing here? Gordon. I, Gordon. I think, yeah. yeah. I don't even know if Gordon's healthy yet. We, we don't know that for sure either. So, but yeah, I, I have uh, no Gallo. I think that's the right move. Uh, let's end with a couple hat tips on tonight's 11-3 Minnesota Twins win. They play again tomorrow night against the Oakland Athletics, and we'll, of course, have a postcast with you again tomorrow night. Luke Inman will be back in the saddle for that one, filling in for Luke, Mr. Postcast tonight. I think he was at the game. That's how committed he is. He had to Ooh. go and see in person, get the scouting edge, so he can bring it back to the postcast tomorrow. I'm going to give a hat tip to Donovan Solano, a four-for-four four night. That average uh, is going to be around 290 after tonight's 286. game. 286, yep. Not not a bad night for for Donovan Solano gets a, a double to to get uh, you know extra base hit in there up that slugging percentage late. Solano is just that contact guy you got to have in the lineup. So uh, hat tip to Donovan Solano. Hat tip for you, Brandon Warren. Well, do you remember the scene in Billy Madison where at the end he says, "Man, I'm glad I called that guy." When Steve Buscemi, I think he like shoots an arrow into the the bad guy. That's the Twins with Donovan Solano this year. He has been everything they could have asked for and more. My hat tip goes to Chris Paddock. Anytime you come back from that long of a layoff, uh, he gave up a homer. He, he had a you know a little bit of a, a misfire there, but 40 pitches, 27 strikes. The the stuff in the velo looked good. The changeup on the inside corner was phenomenal. I'm excited for Chris Paddock, man. I, I he can get in the rotation next year, but I want to see what he looks like in the eighth inning facing Jose Altuve or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited, man, and, and good for him to get back on the mound. Yeah, it was a little bit of a drowsy game pace-wise, but still a lot of compelling yep. angles. Walner slam, Ober's roll going forward, Paddock and Stewart return, and the Twins hang 11 on the A's. They'll try to build that win total tomorrow, post-cast then. He's Brandon Warren. Hear him daily on Locked On Twins. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Hear me daily here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'll be back with Luke Inman tomorrow night on the Twins post-cast. Thanks so much for watching or listening here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.